Good morning, and here it is. It's uh, chapter 5 of the first letter to Thessalonians, and it is listed as the Day of the Lord. And for a long time when I was younger, I imagined that the Day of the Lord was what most people commonly think of as, you know, just going to heaven, like a nice and pleasant event, you know, like Christmas. The Day of the Lord comes and you get all the things you want, there's abundant food and wine, and everyone is happy and excited. And... And that is actually how I think the second coming was kind of marketed to me. I really think that that was an accident, but I genuinely thought that the day of the Lord meant, and then Jesus' return means, oh, just a nice kind of happy time. He comes back, it's all excellent, we all go to heaven, and it's a grand old party, etc. But that's not accurate. In Joel chapter 2, verse 31, which is quoted in Acts chapter 2, we read this, the sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And in a lot of the Bible, the, the day of the Lord is not what we understand as being the end of the world, but it can refer to an event in our lifetime that changes the landscape. Um, the death of the firstborn in the plagues of Egypt, uh, the invasion and conquest of the Assyrians, um, taking a lot of the young Jewish people to Babylon, and of course, specifically to the final judgment in the New Testament. It's uh, not a party, not happy Christmas day. The day of the Lord is not all sunshine and lollipops. And if Jesus is the Lord, the Son of God, the representative, full of his authority and character and power, if Jesus is our Lord, then his second coming is not like the, just a meeting of some bros, you know, my buddy comes back and it's all cool and he brings the beer. That's not the day of the Lord. It's much more serious than that. It's the coming of the King of Kings with all his universal power and authority that that entails. <clears throat> and in the fifth chapter of 1 Thessalonians, Paul has lost none his awe and reverence for his Lord and his God. And I want us to read through this chapter today seriously. Read it like you are taking God seriously as your Lord and not just your bro or your friend to call on when you need um, and not just someone you tap into for spiritual strength when you want it. Because although Jesus does call his disciples his friends, as John fifteen fifteen, and although Jesus does promise us what we need when we call on him, as Philippians four nineteen, Jesus is so much more than a buddy with a celestial credit card. He is the King of Kings, and we are his people. <clears throat> so let's get through this final chapter with a serious head and be challenged by what Paul is calling the church to think about and do. So pause this and read the first 11 verses of chapter 5. What stands out to you about what Paul is asking of his readers and what warnings and commands do you see? If you remember back to the last chapter, uh, we covered uh, the issue of resurrection. In Greece and Judea, as there is now, there's debate on whether or not there is an afterlife. And Paul maintains that because of the resurrection, there definitely is an afterlife, there is a resurrection, and he continues his teaching here. And note how he warns the reader that at any moment, life can change. In verse 3, he says, while some say, peace and safety, destruction will come upon them suddenly. And Paul is comparing those in his time and those of us who live life unprepared. 
who live life as if everything is fine and it'll always be fine. And he's comparing them to fools who are in darkness. That's verse four. And he tells his readers and therefore us not to be asleep. Not literally, we need sleep, but not to be spiritually asleep, just assuming that everything will always be fine, it's fine now, and everything's just fine. But to be awake and open your eyes, sober in your minds, to what can happen to us at any moment. We are not immortal, we won't always be healthy and youthful or rich, so let's not live our lives as if we will be. Instead, in verse 8, he says, Put on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. He's saying, clothe yourselves in faith and love and hope. And he finishes these verses with encouragement. He says, God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. You know, because of all this sobering talk of death and the terrible day of the Lord, we might be mistaken for being terrified. But he's saying to the listeners, he says, for the believers, it shouldn't be terror. Terror should give way to hope and life-giving love. And we should encourage each other with this truth. That because Jesus suffered and died for us, we would receive salvation when we are with him. And that's what happens on the day of the Lord. We don't suffer wrath. We are saved. But <clears throat> that doesn't mean we can just go off and do whatever we want without a care in the world. And it doesn't mean we can expect life to just be easy and happy all the time. Because that is not what Christianity is about. Not at all. Even if you get everything in the church that you ever want, that's not what Christianity is about. Uh, if read verse, verses 12 to 28. What is Paul asking of the reader? And why does he ask it? So the church is commanded to acknowledge those who work hard and to acknowledge those who care for the congregation and admonish, which is criticising, the congregation. And he also asks that we warn people who are idle and disruptive. Because listen, again, being a Christian is not about having an easy or a wealthy life and having everything you ever wanted. The believers should be working hard. And that's what we've read in the last few chapters, so as not to be a burden to anyone. And the church is asked to do hard work, you know, to encourage the disheartened. You know, not with wealth and fame and stupid promises, but with the truth that in Jesus... The day of the Lord is a time of hope, and in the church they are welcome, they are family, even and especially when life is impossibly hard. And he says a real tough one, he warns the church not to pay back wrong for wrong, striving always to do what is good for each other, including those who have wronged us. Um, taking the high road, as Jesus would say, being perfect, just as your heavenly father is perfect. So because Paul knows his time will come soon, Paul is living a very dangerous life. As a Christian in ooh, 60 to 80 AD, you know, you're not exactly safe. And he knows also that for all believers that their livelihood and maybe their lives might come to an end sooner than they would like. And though the day of the Lord, so you can hear my baby crying, as an event in space-time hasn't happened... Paul's wise teaching holds still for us. We don't know what is going to happen tomorrow or the day after. We don't know if our luck or our blessings and our health and wealth is going to last until tomorrow. And we certainly don't know how long we'll be uh, fit and healthy and good looking. So don't live under those principles. But live under a deeper truth that... 
Jesus died and rose again so that when we die, we will not be judged wanting, but will be judged with the mark of our creator on our hearts. And that Jesus is our Lord. He is the King of Kings. He's not just a, a mate who are looking forward to hanging out with on the weekend. And I know the Lord brings closeness to us. Jesus invites us to be friends of God. But this isn't something we take lightly. This is something that we should hold with real reverence. You know, Jesus isn't just a bro who is like, oh, I'll do the cross for you, mate. It's cool. Put it on my tab as if he's just getting getting the drinks in. This is the King of Kings who is leading from the front. And it takes work on our part to live under to that to that banner, to practice the habits, to seek God, to read scripture and pray and choose and to love and, and choose to not pay back evil with evil and to stand up for our convictions. That's going to take hard work. And God won't hold us like a puppet and make us do good things. He will steer our hearts to see good things and to be pointed in the right direction. But we as the church have to work hard to care for one another and to stand up for what we believe. Knowing that it could cost us something. Because Paul in these letters is not concerned with you know, being popular tomorrow or having riches tomorrow or keeping his job for tomorrow. Paul is concerned with the day of the Lord and the great day of the Lord to come when the Lord returns. When the king returns to see how his kingdom is doing and to walk with his people. That's what Paul is concerned about. So let's not treat the Lord like a magic wand or just a buddy who we can, you know, take for granted. We should build our lives into habits that would please him and pray to him as our king in awe and wonder and love because of what Jesus did on the cross so that when the great and terrible day of the Lord happens, we aren't found guilty.